When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coming up on today's episode, we break down a third straight dub for the Jets, this time in Detroit. Plus, Shane Pinto's suspension and the NHL draft gets a new look. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's slide on into the weekend in style. The vibes are high. The snow is melted. Let's talk some hockey here. Happy for you guys to be joining us once again. And once again, side by side with me here, video wise at the very least, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. What's going on, T-Dog? Not too much. First snowfall of the year. I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fall-winter guy, but fall, fall doesn't really exist, so I'm a little... It's like bittersweet in a way, you know? We had a, we had a pretty kick-ass fall. Like, I, I was actually okay with the snow. Yeah. Because it was like, you know, like... To go from like, what was it, like 15-ish last week? To like the snow yeah. melting, it's gone. Like we 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 had a good run. I, I was I was I'm pretty jacked about it, so I'm I'm not gonna complain about it. Let's get a um, let's get a nice warm Halloween for the kid. For yeah, let's do it for the for the little lads, right? Come on now. Um, the nice part about <laughs> it getting a little colder as well, Tice, is uh, it's officially chilly season in the Rewicki household over here. No comment you on that. Chili. I don't like chili. I don't like chili. Let me let me whip you up a bowl next time. All right, next time you're heading down there, to I, I'm, not, I'm, just big, I'm just not a big beans guy, <laughs> unless it's the beans from even Stevens. Well, that guy's weird. That's a weird looking dude. Anyways, uh, let's go to a little bit of hockey now. Um, I'll, I'll get. I'll make you a bowl of chili. I think I can. I can convert you on this. Um. But flying high once again, the Winnipeg Jets. One, two, three straight wins in a row now, beating maybe the hottest team in the sport as well in their own barn, dropping the Red Wings. Only their second regulation loss of the season. Um, And an interesting one, Tyson. And an interesting one for me because of this. I think, how many games are we in now for the Jets? Let's see. Seven games in. I'm going to make a sweeping declaration. 
I'm going to say, after watching this team for seven games, that they have now been upgraded from bubble team to playoff club, third best team of the Central. I don't know how outlandish that might be. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun too quickly. (laughs) But I'm liking what I'm seeing from the club. And I think the ceiling, I think we got to elevate the ceiling a little bit. I'm not going to say we're in Dallas, Colorado territory yet. But they, they're playing some damn good hockey. And I'm willing to be a believer in this with the hope and maybe a little bit of half glass full on this that the club is going to be open to making some big time additions at some point before the trade deadline. But what do you think about that, Tice? An upgrade from bubble team to playoff lock ish. I I agree with that. I, and some of that has to, has to do with the play of the Jets, obviously. And then some of it also has to do with, like like we mentioned on our last episode, before the Blues game, talking about, well, we don't really know what this Blues team is going to be like when they come in. And I think we know now that this that the St. Louis Blues are going to be a bad hockey team. They are not good at all. And then you look at the Wild, who get smoked by the Flyers. They got abs- They got smoked by the Flyers. And I'm still just not totally sold on on Minnesota. So for me, the Jets, I mean, it's, it's a two team battle. The Jets and the Predators now at this. Oh, well, if, oh, if it's the, if it's the Jets Predators, we got nothing. <laughs> Never mind. Playoff lock isn't kind enough. But yeah, only, only a game, only a two point difference between the two clubs now. But uh, yeah. And the one thing that's really stuck with me about this Jets team compared to past seasons is that, this team still will go through stages in a game like we saw in this Detroit game where plays kind of getting away from, from them and they're getting hemmed in their own zone a little bit, but they don't let that those those bad couple of shifts affect the whole game. You know what I mean? Like they are they're still able to kind of bounce back and and generate those chances, generate those good shifts after kind of being struggling for a little bit. And they had they did that in this game. There was, I mean for the longest time, they, the Redwings were pushing, 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 and then Appleton gets the goal. And all of a sudden, you take the wind out of their sails. And that's exactly what Appleton said on that goal, too, is that it's just the team was able to kind of to just battle. And that's what you want to see out of this team earlier. There was some times, especially last season, where if this was if this was the team from last season, you know, they get, they get one goal, the Lucas Raymond goal, and it's kind of curtains from there. The Red Wings put in an extra four, and it's game over. But Hallibuck came up with some huge saves, too, and Jets just found a way to win it. That's what good hockey teams do. Against a team, like you mentioned, it's one of the hottest in the league, too. So a team that was coming in, bearing a lot of goals for them to kind of withstand the some of the onslaught and that towards the end of the second and throughout and through about the first half of the third, it was it's great to see. And like you mentioned, they are definitely the third best team in the Central as of this moment. Yeah, well, it might be a bit of an upgrade because, like you said, the rest of the teams below the Jets right now aren't instilling a ton of confidence in them. And, and, hey, look, yeah, it, it's not perfect for, for Winnipeg right now by by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the one major issue for me popping up in this game is net front defense needs to be addressed and corrected and cleaned up immediately. I mean, the goal 
was obviously the the big error there. But there was two or three other kind of jump off the page at you moments where it's like, yeah, can we cover the guy in the most dangerous spot on the ace, please? Like, can we just <laughs> take care of that if, if you guys don't mind? Um, but like, other than that, they're they're playing really solid hockey, and th- this wasn't even one of their better games of the season. I mean. Shifley and Connor and and Ayafalo in particular got absolutely lambasted on on the shot clock. Like they just they were inside their end for for the majority of the game. But what we're seeing now in Winnipeg is the depth is it's maybe the best it's ever been to start off a season. I know the other years you know they brought in reinforcements and things like that, but I mean. The move to put Nino Niederreiter on that third line with Adam Lowry, I mean, those those two are just deadly together. Like, I mean, they carried the team down the stretch last year, and they are, I mean, they're, they're just a physical force for the club every single night on the third line. And then Rasmus Kupari's just been a revelation on the fourth line. He's he's a difference maker there. And even Gus, like Gus comes in, and he's looked great. He probably should have scored one against Detroit there. But, you know, Morgan Barron, being on that line as well like there's there's the physicality that you want with the fourth line but these guys can score they can play hockey so i i i've loved what i've seen out of there and then we're starting to see the second line take hold a little bit and it's taken some time and i think nikolai ehlers has finally gone through his preseason unfortunately it was four or five regular season games but he looks like he's back to where jets fans need him to be Perfetti is just, he's just as steady as it goes. And I, I guess Nemestikov's a second line center now. <laughs> like, he's a third, fourth liner on any other team. You put him in Winnipeg, and like, I, I, my brain can't really compute that part where it's like he should be getting run over night in, night out. But I don't know how many more games we need to see before it's like, maybe, maybe it just works here for some reason. Um, there we we can talk about the blue line a little bit later. That's where the main concerns are going to be. But I mean, to have Vesna caliber goaltending, a deep, potent forward group, and then a guy that can be an all star on the back end. It's a good good foundation the Jets have right now, and I, I'm 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 okay. I'm cool with bumping them up a little bit. We'll see what happens at the Pacific this year. Um, Edmonton maybe being the the most intriguing start. Uh, out of any of the teams out there. But as far as the Central goes, to me, and I know it's early, and I know they're only a point up on them, but I I, I, I flip-flopped already to start the year. I had Minnesota 3, Winnipeg 4, feeling very confident that by the time the season's done, what we see right now in terms of the three spot is what we're going to get. And I like it. I like it. Yeah, and even just to add on a little bit too, before talking about the forwards, that Minnesota doesn't have Jared Spurgeon in the lineup either, and they just put him on LTIR. So who knows when he's going to come back? And that's that's a massive piece for that team. If he's not there for an extended amount of time, like I, I see the Wild really struggling to get pick up points. But when you talk about injuries too, like the Jets are missing Gabe Velarde and Billy Hainala right now. I think at around December, middle of December, beginning of December, you're getting Gabe Velarde back. You get Vili Hainala back. And if Hainala and, and Velarde, really, for that matter, can continue the play that they had before getting injured, those are some two really good pieces that the team is adding right there in and, in and of itself. And then you go on to add whatever you add the deadline or whatever, and all of a sudden your team's looking pretty, pretty deep. And like it's 
with when you have a guy like Vlad Nemestikov who is just see, he's just clicked with Perfetti and Ehlers. It's just it's three guys who are very smart hockey players, and he's just fitting like a glove there. And the, the, the third line, of course, too, is Mason Appleton has to stay on the third line with Adam Lowry at all times. That's what I, that's what I learned from this game and from the ga- a couple games before, too. He's he's a good he's a good player with Adam Lowry. He's a good third line player, but keep him there. Don't make him play out of yep. his role. He does his role really well. And and Nino, it's nice to see Nino get on the board, too. He He had a really he had a good game where it's he's not going to show up on the stat sheet at all. But he had a couple big blocks, a couple big clears for that line, played a hard game. And he's just, now that he put the puck in the net, maybe that opens up that, that uh, score, goal scoring touch a little bit. And we start to see him pour a couple more in because he does have that ability to. And like you said, too, Rasmus Kapari, David Gustafson, Morgan Barron, really good fourth line. And it's crazy to think, too, that there's a couple players, like we had seen uh, Axel Janssen Fialbi, a guy who played a lot of NHL time last year. Uh, Parker Ford, who really impressed a lot of people in the preseason, those guys aren't even sniffing the NHL roster right now. Like that's that goes to show good organizational depth up front, and it's you're gonna have some more reinforcements coming in with the prospect pool. It's just if they can figure out this decor and add that extra piece to the defense. Like maybe I'm not expecting Billy to come in and be that like stud number two pairing guy, but if he can kind of provide some really solid play and they go and add another D man. And all of a sudden, and let's say you can, you have the ability to put a Neil Pionk on the third D pair. Your team starts to look pretty scary, pretty quick. Yeah. It's that one spot, right? That, that, that one hole that's kind of staring them right in the face. And yeah, that, that's the, that's the intriguing part too, of adding say an impact defenseman on that second pair. Is it even, I mean, great that you have it on the second pair and then your third pair is just dynamite. And that's that's where things could get a little spicy. So I'm intrigued. I'm going to be intrigued to see who some of those names might be, right? Because it does always feel like I know people say, and it's true to an extent, that you know number one blue liners don't come on the market very often. But there is usually one every year, right? Like there's one or two every year that kind of sneak out there and. I mean, I, I don't think there's anyone right now that kind of jumps to mind as to who might be a target for the Jets, right? Like, I mean, maybe Hannafin, but I don't know if I want to give up assets for a pending free agent that's, I imagine, is, you know, not going to sign here. So then you look at guys with term that might be on the market. I mean, I wonder if the Travis Sanheim thing might st- still be a possibility, uh, unless the Flyers make the I, playoff, I I, I, but like he's been, and and I said this on on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk. But for for those in Winnipeg that don't know, he's put on twenty pounds of muscle this summer. He's playing the second most minutes of anybody in the NHL right now, and he's been a stud for Philly. And you wonder with where that organization is in terms of of their rebuild and and, and the path that they're on. If he becomes available, get a guy for six, seven years, whatever's left on his contract, right? Be an interesting piece on the second pair behind Josh Morrissey. That That's the only guy that kind of jumps to mind right now, just because the Jets were semi-involved a few months back. But it'll be an intriguing subplot to the season, Tace. Just 
what names and who becomes available, how aggressive the Jets go, and then what are the potential packages that go back the other way there. But, I mean, it, it does it, – it, I've been saying it for a few years now that you get that – maybe not a Josh Morrissey on the second pair, but you get a – I mean, look at Vegas, Theodore Petrangelo, the one-two punch. Um, Tampa, when they were winning cups, Hedman McDonough, one-two punch. You look at basically every team outside of Pittsburgh, essentially, there's a one-two punch on two separate pairings. It's it's almost mandatory. And that's the one thing this club is missing right now, and we'll see if they can find a way to get it done there. Maybe it's the Manitoba native said hi. Maybe it's a mystery guy we haven't heard of just yet. But I'm, uh, I mean, you know I like to get aggressive in terms of going after high-end talent, but I'm almost... I'm almost at anybody's available name your price moment if if, if there's a high end D man available. So we'll see where that goes. It's still we're still at October. It's, there's still some ways funny. to go. It's funny you mentioned Sandheim because that is exactly exactly what I was thinking. Imagine if you end up pulling that trigger and you know he's playing the way that he's playing right now, and you you only gave up a first and probably Nate Schmidt. For a guy like that, that well, would have been. So it, it would be. I mean, and I, it would be Colby Barlow, right? Like Colby Barlow and Nate Schmidt. And I wonder. I mean that that might have to be the price you pay. It's gonna like it's 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 gonna hurt the team's prospect pool. I wonder. Like, I wonder. I wonder how it's it's easy for people to say, "Oh yeah, like trade this and this." But then you name a prospect, and you're like, "Well, well, not that one." <laughs> maybe like do you want a, a B prospect instead right so yeah I mean that that's the thing like, I, I don't know Barlow for Schmidt or Barlow and Schmidt for Sanheim and whatever other pieces had to go in there it'd be an interesting thought process at the very least to to think what the Jets might look like with how well Sanheim has played so far this year right and and he could continue the season and be like Hampus Lindholm right like he could be like that sort of I guess, quote unquote, reclamation project, or we're only seven games into the season. He could revert back to old Sandheim, too. Like, it's still so early to say, but yeah, like the way he's played early on, that him added on this Jets decor, I think, would really make them a scary team. But hey, there's still lots of season left. Guys are going to become available. I'm honestly, I agree with you. I'm not a big on Noah Hannafin staying here. But one team I'm I'm I am kind of interested to look at is the Hurricanes. See how things go there. I mean, they brought in a couple guys like D- Dmitry Orlov out of really left field and bringing back Tony D'Angelo to the fold. And they, those two guys have really struggled so far this season. And and I I don't want not saying let's add Tony D'Angelo to this team. God no, please no. But maybe a guy like Orlov who can bounce back. You got him on. It's a, it's a bit of a hefty contract, so I wonder how that works cap-wise. But And then, obviously, like Brett Pesci, you have that situation down there, too, where he's still not signed. Maybe they maybe they come to an agreement there, but guys like that, then someone's going to become available. Someone will, and I think that we're going to start to see a little bit. I have a feeling that this trade deadline is going to have a lot of names that people didn't expect to be available at the beginning of the season, pop up on those Saravelli or TSN trade boards. I really do think that we're going to have this has the potential to be one of the crazier 
trade deadlines in a while, especially with all the parity in the West and then all the top heaviness in the East where teams are just going to be battling. I think there's, it's going to be very interesting to see what all unfolds. Yeah, I love it. Seven games in, four and three record for the Jets, and we're already talking about how the club can make a big name trade to push into the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, we're in midseason form, seven games in. I love it. Uh, but it's easy to do that when the Jets are playing well, and they have almost every game this season, including that victory Thursday night against the Detroit Red Wings. 4-1 before they take on the Montreal Canadian Saturday night in Quebec. That'll be a beauty as well. Um, so that'll do it for us on Jets Red Wings. Let's uh, switch topics, Tyson. Do a couple things I want to get to league-wide here. One that I have to rant about. The other one that came uh, so far out of left field. It rocked the hockey world earlier Thursday. But holy crap, we got a gambling suspension. Shane Pinto gets a half season. What did he do? We don't totally know. <laughs> Apparently didn't bet on NHL games himself directly, but then a bunch of mumbo jumbo, who knows this, he said, she said sort of stuff. Either way, Pinto's gone for 41 and Ottawa's cap headache kind of gets alleviated in the meantime here. Um, this segment sponsored by DraftKings. Tyson, who could have ever assumed that <laughs> players would? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I don't have much of a moral leg to stand on because let's like this podcast for a long time made money off of DraftKings, but it's just I. It's it's hard to it's just hard to ignore the hypocrisy of all these sports leagues. Shoving gambling ads and commercials and segments down your throat every five seconds to then turn around and say, oh, my gosh, our player betted on a sport. We have to immediately suspend them for months and months at a time. It's like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Freaking gambling sponsor on his helmet. Of course he was going to get right. So I don't know. I mean, I'm of the mindset that if you bet on the sport that you're in, like if, if Pinto... It sounds like he didn't personally bet on hockey, but the way I'm the wording is is that he might have like supplied something to a third party. If you bet on your own sport, I think suspensions need to be much more punitive than he got. To be honest, like that, I can understand why leagues would be like, "We cannot have that." Uh, the second that happens, integrity, all like it, it just it's the ultimate can of worms, but. I mean, you can't you can't stop people from doing legal activities, right? And the same way that somebody can have a beer at home, they can also bet on an NFL game on a Sunday if they're not playing at at, at the rink, right? So it, it's it, it. I I wonder. I ultimately, Tyson, I wonder what the future of gambling is going to be in these sports leagues, and I wonder if we don't go down a similar path, the same way that tobacco ads. 40, 50 years ago, we're on TV all the time, and um, we don't see those anymore. And I wonder if that's ultimately a path sometime down the road that the NHL and, and the rest of these sports leagues take. But, who boy, yeah, 41 games ain't no joke. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's interesting, too, because 
I mean, I, most, I mean, every professional athlete, when they sign their contract, there's a clause in there that, that talks about conduct that's detrimental to the team, right? Like it's so that, that goes in with not just the, the players and management, but the team's image, how it's going to be perceived across the league. And if he, like you mentioned, if he is betting on NHL games, whether it's him directly or him supplying info or having someone or having a third party make the bets for him, a hundred percent, he should be suspended. You can't, it's just, you can't have your own players betting on games. If he, that's why the, my whole problem with this whole situation is that the NHL and the senators knew about this for months before all this happened. And we're just now getting super vague details about this. We need to, people need to really start questioning the NHL's ability to handle these situations. There's the hockey Canada stuff that's going on. And obviously that's a tricky situation with, with the, the London police and everything and how all that's going to work out. But you're telling me like, they don't know what's going on with that, with that sort of thing. And we're only going to suspend a player once, once, uh, it's out there. We can't, we, we're going to keep it all under wraps until then. And it's just this sort of stuff where it's just very vague details about actual legitimate problems surrounding the league and legal implica- legal implications too. And I get as well that you can't just go out there and, and suspend people right away without totally getting the whole details without there being a proper investigation. But this stuff's been going on for a long time. We can't just have... Oh, by the way, he's uh, suspended for 41 games. Uh, something to do with gambling. Like, this is just going to get swept under the rug at some point. Like, we I, we need to know what happened. Why is he being suspended? What exactly did Shane Pinto do? And, like, if he did bet on games, suspend him. If he didn't bet on on NHL games, what are we doing? Even if, it, even if it's – because I believe – one of the problems when the Colts, a couple of the Colts players got suspended, wasn't that they were making bets. It was that they were making bets at the team facility. And so if that's a situation too, then maybe I can see that. But when we talk about those conduct clauses, that's stuff like, well, if you drink and drive, you'll, you're going to be suspended. If you do whatever, public intoxication, you're going to be suspended. That doesn't mean that a player can't enjoy a drink though. Like, it doesn't mean a player can't have four or five beers at, when, at a restaurant when they're out with their friends. Just like it's it's okay to, for someone to put 10 or 15 bucks on an NBA game if you're an NHL player. I mean, obviously, I would assume he's probably not putting 15, 20 bucks, but whatever the wager is. If you want to bet on an NBA game, who cares? Like, really? Yeah. And I, so that's I, yeah. why it's just you leave that this league, this league just leaves this vagueness out there. And it's just, it's a detriment to it. It's And you're going to talk about a different topic after. And this just shows how far behind all the other leagues the NHL is. <laughs> I know. It's, after hearing you go at it there, it's like, I, maybe I should change my my stance on on uh, the way the, the draft is going to be moving forward here. But the, the, the intriguing thing to me is it sounded like Pinto had the ability to appeal the suspension but essentially by him waiving that appeal that like reduced the suspension to 41 games like it was almost like hey if you just accept this we'll only give you 41 and then he accepts that kind of leads me to believe that he did something pretty egregious 
but the problem is that like we just don't know so then you you speculate and i mean it could be a thousand different things so it's it's tough to say that the league it's tough to say the nhl got this right or wrong but it's just i think symptomatic of the fact that you get into bed with all these sports gambling companies and this is every single league in the world now i mean in in soccer there there was 10 month bans for some some of the italian players betting on soccer like they're their seasons are over. This is what's going to happen when this becomes a daily part of your life as a sports league. Yeah, and just one other thing on this whole topic. If the Ottawa Senators knew about this in the summer, I think there should be some legitimate questions asked about cap circumvention. If you know that a player has a legal issue and you keep it quiet, keep it quiet, while this while contract negotiations are going on, and then say that he comes back at a very at a vastly reduced price for a team that's struggling with cap issues, I have some serious red flags about that too. So oh, I, just I'm, put him on just put him on LTIR and he'll take. be ready for the playoffs. That's all you got to do. So yeah, it's that'll true. be fine. I mean, uh, <laughs> they, they did, the NHL needs to be fixed. This is just crazy. We got a bunch of old no, like they these guys are just out to lunch they have no idea what they're doing and it well, needs a complete overhaul well that's an excellent segue tyson to our final topic of the episode uh because the other major news league-wide from the past couple of days was the announcement that the nhl draft will be decentralized essentially for those that maybe haven't been following along or don't know it looks more like the nfl and nba drafts where it takes place at a specific location, but maybe just a member or two of each team being there. The commissioner announces the picks, shake hands with the commission, does the prospect, and then away we go. Just to kind of keep things short and simple there. That's essentially what this means. And as is wont to do for NHL fans, there's been tremendous amounts of uproar and backlash, Tyson. And to those people, I would say this. Shut up. Shut up because you don't know what you're talking about. I am, I'm actually blown away that this is as contentious of a topic as it's been right now. I, I, I mean, I feel like people, I, I do, like this does feel a little bit like Mugatu to me in that like I, I, maybe there's just been a dose of crazy pills being going around. <laughs> But the NHL draft as a TV product has been horrendous for years. And I, I feel like it's only gotten worse over the past couple of years. And, and this last draft in particular, where these things take freaking forever because we've got 50 people on each team slowly sauntering up to the stage. Okay, we're all up on stage now. All right, let's thank our draft party back in our hometown at Bob's Bar and Grill. And we'd also like to thank the Vegas Knights for winning the cup. Congrats. And we'd also like to thank Nashville for their hospitality. And now we're going to head it over to the director of scouting. So why don't you come on in? And now that we've done that, let's finally announce the player. Oh, we got to shake hands. with And this goes on and on and on and on. We have four-hour first round. And then on top of that, there's no trades anymore. There's no trades in the draft. And GMs have come out and said, yeah, we don't do trades because everybody's side by side. We don't want to give away state secrets and things like that. 
And I, I feel like people are just reacting to this news, like almost on impulse and reflex. Like, oh, the NHL did something and changed something. Well, we hate it and they suck, right? Without even actually thinking about what's taking place here. To me, it's an absolute no-brainer. I mean, let alone the ungodly amounts of money each team will save by not sending their entire management and scouting groups. Um, So, I mean, there's that aspect to take into consideration as well. But I actually think this is going to streamline the whole process and make the draft, A, much more viewer-friendly on TV, but then most importantly, B, not change the fan experience at the draft whatsoever. Like, literally nothing is changing. The prospects are still going to be there. The only difference, and fans are still going to be there, the only difference is that there's going to be one or two people from each team as opposed to 20, 30, or 40. Like, that's it. I, I just, like, what, what? what is the downside to this? It's still going to be a party. We still have fun with it. It's just each team's going to save a bunch of money. and Maybe the salary cap goes up by five, six million instead of 600,000 every single year. I just, I, I don't know. Tell me if I'm wrong, Tyson. What are, what are the downsides to this? There really aren't any downsides other than the fact, the only thing that I would worry about is that the NHL just kind of like, they're just, they've just give up on the draft where it's just like, we're not even going to like try and make it watchable. We're not even going to, it's just, you know what I mean? Like it's where it's just, let's just not have the teams come. We'll just do it ourselves. It's not really an experience. At, like it wasn't experience. It wasn't an experience beforehand. So it's kind of just like let's just not make it an experience, but make it cheaper. You know, like that's that's kind of what I see. I just don't think the NHL is going to go out of its way to make this new draft, this whole new big experience where it's where it's crazy. But yeah, I just I don't want to watch those guys walk up there. They're all like, and you get all these pictures of the all the GMs just yucking it up together on the draft floor, and nothing happens, like you mentioned. And then for them to take that long to make the pick, and like twenty five percent of the time, the guys butcher the name of the guy they're drafting, or for or forget <laughs> like, them. We don't, we don't need this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just it's just unnecessary, and people like it's it's the NHL can do a lot of dumb things and then every once in a while do a thing that's not totally dumb and you don't have to jump on them for it. You can kind of just let that part slide and focus on the stuff they actually do wrong. But yeah, like it's just, for me, it's just a whole lot of like, I don't really care. Like it's just like, really like the draft's going to be the draft. I always watch the draft anyways. It's, this is what it is. I I don't plan on going to a draft and then, well, I, I I think I look, yeah, I, it's on the NHL now to make the draft, draft weekend, whatever it is, a legitimate fan experience. Like, hey, t- take some of the savings and make this, like, make, like, like Elliot Friedman said in 32 Thoughts, make this like a hockey expo. Like, make it be a must-see event. It's it's on them to do that, to, to elevate the fan experience here. It's fair, like you said, to have doubts that they're going to be able to pull it off. I, I would... I would concede that point for sure, but that, that that's what they've got to do now. And I don't even think it takes all kinds of innovation and, and stuff like that. Just what are the NFL and NBA doing? Copy that. That's it. Like, don't even don't overthink this. Yeah. Just be like, <laughs> okay, you guys are getting a bunch of eyeballs and people there. The NFL had like 70,000 people at an outdoor event 
wherever the draft was this past year. Just copy them. That's it. It's so it's so easy. So we'll see what they do with it. But man, I I just I I think even just talking about it from our perspective, where you know let's push aside the possibility of a Winnipeg draft or something like that. I think just from people watching at home, it, I I just I feel like it's going to go by way faster and be way more of an enjoyable experience. And if we can get some trades finally on draft day, then that should shut everybody up once and for all. Because I feel like we haven't had a big-time draft day trade since, what, Schneider for, for Bo Horvat? That was that had to have been over 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You're going to like this one. <laughs> but my, my, big, my biggest concern with the draft that I just thought of is that I legitimately think I could see a team or a management group not really understanding what's going on and, and they don't get their pick in. Yeah. Like, I, I could, I could I love see it. Lou Lamorello be like, this is so stupid. I, uh, this is so dumb. I can't figure I, it out. I can't like, get the zoom to work. Gary, <laughs> Gary, I can't get the zoom. Gary, <laughs> Lou, stop yelling. But that, that's all like, give me that. I want that. I think that's great. I, my, my favorite part might be seeing Gary try to dap up the prospects as they come up on stage, like Roger Goodell does in the NFL draft. Like, could you imagine? Like, oh, <laughs> Gary is only capable like of a handshake, but if somebody tries to to throw a little extra sauce his way, like let's let's see what goes down there. Um, I mean, yeah, it'll be intriguing to see what happens there. Um, but I I think it's all good news here. I'm I'm not I'm not going to fault the NHL for this one. I think they're doing the right thing. Going to save a bunch of money. Let's put it to good use, though. And uh, with that, we'll cap off the episode there. Let's call it a day. Let's call it a week. Let's head into the weekend, baby. Let's do this. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. We'll get back at it Tuesday morning next week, breaking down that Saturday night matchup that we mentioned for the Jets in Montreal. And then we'll also talk right after it happens. The Monday Nighter, Jets, Rangers. Always a good matchup. Original 16 coming down. So we'll break down those two games for you guys and then get ready for the week ahead for the club as we head into November. Until then, though, enjoy the weekend. Have a good time and stay safe. We'll talk to you guys Tuesday morning. Peace. <laughs>